Hello, dear star shines. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's lunchtime chats. I'll give everybody a minute to get on board. How's everybody doing today? For those of you who are new, my name is Christina and I'm an acceleration expert. And we are here to talk about those topics and issues that are significant for us star seeds, way showers, and new paradigm visionaries. So uh, I apologize for the um, environmental no noise. I'm currently traversing uh, my way across middle of nowhere, Texas. <laughs> so, um, so I'm at a rest stop and uh, yeah, so that's what the noise is all about. Good to see you. So glad, to, so glad you're here. Go ahead and t um, say hi. Let me know where you're from, where you're coming from. Uh, so, uh, right. So, you know, normal humans don't necessarily embrace the kinds of c capacities that we do so we have very unique um, very unique challenges to today's um chaos that's unfolding and i'm here to give to the best of my ability a liberated perspective to these challenges so um i'm so happy and uh i'm so happy to be able to share these with you guys and i really love that you guys are messaging me and and giving me a lot of feedback that helps me um, frame up the perspective helps me frame up what it is that's really going on with you guys and and maybe how i can help if I can, right? So welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, for those of you who are new to the conversation, if you want to participate in the influence of what happens here in the chats, I encourage you guys to check out our social media outlets. We are on Instagram, Multidimensional Accelerator, and we're also on Telegram, which is um, Multidimensional Human, and of course, Facebook, which is Rise of the Multidimensional Human. And then we have our YouTube channel. So, um, uh, like, which is Light Body Academy. So, any of those outlets, are, uh, you can communicate and engage with us. And, uh, and yeah, so as I watch the conversations that go on and see the different postings, I'm starting to see themes and different um, inquiries develop. And that's what I talk about here in the chats. So, uh, today I've had a few things that developed. One is a dear sister, Star Starshine, actually texted me directly because she has access to me like that and she wanted me to talk about moon about the moon and particularly about charging things with the moon and moon ceremony you know her point was is that she's never really resonated with full moon gatherings but um but she wanted me to talk about it and just uh see if i can give a different perspective i think she was invited to a, a gathering and she's not really sure on you know um what her proper relationship to that is, what her authentic relationship is. So, um, so I'm going to talk about more about moon influences and that uh, good, bad, the ugly, <laughs> you know, all that. And then um, their dear sister Starshine was posing a question in Telegram, and she was making a point how um, how sometimes when she's around certain people, certain gifts that she has are stronger than with other people. Like, so clear audience, clear sentience, um, clairvoyance, there's all these different clairs, right? And she was noticing that when she's around certain people, different aspects of the clairs are accessible to her. So I want to talk about why that happens. I'm curious if you guys have had this happen. Have you ever noticed that when you're around certain people, all of a sudden your abilities are that much more sharper, keener, you can, you feel even more expanded? I'd love to hear from you guys in the chat. And, uh, and then what was the other piece I wanted to talk about? 
oh, 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 okay. Well, still branches off from the moon thing. So I want to talk about that. But I'm noticing right now that my um, my computer is not charging. So that means I'm plugged into a plug that's not working. So hold on one moment, please. totally see me in the mirror I'm sure <laughs> oh no you can't okay let's see if that started charging it oh it did oh good okay I have one more thing to check about the charging okay so we're running on all cylinders it's all good <laughs> I just wanted to check on it because if I get going on a roll, I'm not going to notice. And then it'll just cut off in the middle of the roll that I get on. All right. So um, let's see. Tasha. Good. Hi. Nice to see you, darling. Thank you for being here. She's commenting. She says, yes, Claire Cognizance is super strong around husband and children. I figured it was our energetic cords. And then um, we and then she says we joke about. Um, me reading their minds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that actually um, being super in tune with your family members, especially as a mom, that's actually very common. That's something that kind of comes with with the um, mom, mama bear protector. You know, we really want to stay tuned in to what's happening. And really, we need to be tuned in, especially when um, our children are young, because they can't really voice what it is they need. We need to just tune in and, and uh, intuit what is it that we need that they need what do we need to do with them like why are they crying are they crying oh their tooth hurts they can't say my tooth hurts or they're crying because they have a lot of belly uh gas in their belly they can't say that so we so we um are uh practicing from the moment they come into this world uh, of tuning into them and reading what what it is that they need reading what's going on with them hello dear sister carol glad to see you and hello dear soul schooling welcome 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 all right so that's a that's a um an interesting point there there is that that dynamic where when in your immediate family you're like super tuned in this also happens with lovers uh because again you guys are super tuned into each other not only that you're exchanging um on a very deep level energy with each other so so there's quite literally still aspects of your guys's energy inside the other person you know, not just the female, but the male too, because of the energies merging. So there's that kind of thing. Um, you may notice that uh, you're, say, if you're the um, the woman and uh, and your man is extremely psychic, intuitive, maybe you think more than you. And after you guys make love, you may notice that you have a heightened, your own gifts are heightened. And, and maybe you even start to see like your like your lover does, you know. That's not uncommon. So pretty much that transference of energy allows you to see how they see for a little while. And even when when we work in um, in labs, which are these small groups of um, of folks that we uh, track on a when we're in a common field, a unified field, we'll start to see how the other person sees and you actually start to learn through um, on, on a subconscious level, how other people in that unified field are tracking. So it's not uncommon for um, 
for uh, us to start picking picking up and honing in on the abilities of others that we're sharing tracking pot is with right so it's not necessarily about energy exchange at that point it's more about the subconscious getting exposed to to, to something that 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 flipped a switch inside so if you're an emotional empath and you're around um, other emotional empaths that are very clear and stable your subconscious is going to have that it is going to resonate with that energy of being clear and stable um, I'm saying like if you're emotional empath, maybe that's not your default. You're on a subconscious level. You'll start to adapt those traits when you spend a lot of time with other emotional empaths that maybe don't have that problem. Same thing with any of the other psychic intuitive abilities. When you start to, we are so empathic in nature. We are so um, uh, designed to be in tune with our environment. When we go into the field of other people, we, depending on how, um, you know, uh, clear we are, we'll actually start to perceive and track like those other people's who's with whom's within whom's field we are, we are dwelling. Okay. So that's something for sure. Uh, there's also, uh, but the, the part that I want to get to, right. Uh, is when, um, it's ex when it's massively, when it's really, really, really drastically different than what your normal baseline is like, say, um, you know, you're used to certain levels of Claire's being online, but when you get around a certain kind of person or a certain place geographically, then everything is exponentially heightened, like beyond, beyond. I want to, that's the part that I really want to get to because I, I used to have these, well, I still do um, have these experiences and I really never quite put it together on what was going on. But now, you know, many, many years later, in retrospect, I realize there's there's pretty significant factors that impact our our psychic intuitive abilities. OK, of course, there's blind spots and traumas. There's all that. There's all that frame up and stuff. But there's also collective grids. There's also energies within the land. There's also um, uh, being around masters that um, emanate transmissions. Now, these sorts of things is a bit of a different ball game. So, uh, so I noticed when I was, I think I was 19, the first time I was with a meditated with a guru, I noticed like, boom, I can like drop in so easily into meditation. And I noticed that, um, I had, a, a, a lot more, um, insight and, and stability inside of myself, you know, stuff like this. And, uh, and then it would wear off after a week or so. And then, you know, then I would experience them again, then it would wear off. And I was just like, what, what is that? That doesn't really quite make sense. But really it's because in that case, the whole purpose of his intention of being among the people is to transmit, is to bring them into the fold, to bring them into internet connect to interconnectivity, to awaken them to the levels that they are, um, ready to awaken so that go that's everywhere he goes people are experiencing openings are experiencing awakenings if it is in their soul or in their heart to do so so when you're around very clear people that's going to heighten your abilities and of course it's going to um, bust you through the things that really aren't necessarily yours, like collective grids or, or belief systems, stuff like this, that your, your 
in the ocean of, but maybe you don't personally prescribe to, stuff like this. And then when you have multiple people getting together, experiencing that clarity of in within the field, experiencing that expanded consciousness, you guys know when you do things in groups, it just gets that much more um, exponentially resonant. So when you do this in groups, and this is really most of the, most of the time we experience um, spiritual masters or, or, or in that context. So it just amplifies, amplifies, amplifies. So that's with people. But what about places? What's up with these places that are activating? Have you guys ever been to some place and be like, wah, you know, it's like your third eye zinging. Maybe you feel like your crown opening or, or maybe water pouring down the back or, you know, you just start to feel a lot of interesting things go on. Now, this is really this is really cool. And this is something I never really quite had the word the words to describe it, but I do now um, thanks to um, getting exposed to some of some of the um, other indigos and star seeds um, of the younger generations. And what I'm so the words to use to describe what's going on all has to do with grids, consciousness grids. We have consciousness grids within our body. We have consciousness grids in the ground, within the earth, within the the canopy, the collective. Okay. And what I noticed was that, so I lived in Colorado and uh, I would make this trek to a dear sister Starshine sanctuary in the mountains. She lived about, about 10,000 feet. And I would make this trek with um, some dear friends. And, uh, and I would know, I would notice that as we're leaving the city, as we're going up into the mountains, up into the mountains, up into the mountains, the kind of things that were weighing on my mind and where my thoughts were going would drastically shift. It's like when I'm in the city, it's kind of like the, uh, the humdrum of the grind. Right. But then as we got higher up in the mountains, there was the things that we talked about and things that we thought about were more uplifting, were more, um, uh, inspired, like we can see solutions to the things that were maybe weighing us down just an hour previously when we're, you know, in, in more of the, um, in the collective in the cities. And, and this is because these, these consciousness grids that are influencing us, and there's ones that expand, but there's also ones that are really lock us down. And, and what was happening is that those consciousness grids, particularly the ones that lock our awareness down, weren't there. And so we naturally were able to expand and connect with the greater, with the greater consciousness and expand and connect with the actual Apus, the, the mountains themselves. And, you know, we had a very different perspective in the world. All of a sudden things were the problems that we thought we had were very simply solved by making certain choices. You know, it's like we can feel and sense our own inner voice more easily, so on and so forth, you know? So altitude is a really great way to escape or get away from the influence of these grids. So I encourage all you guys, if you have a place that's higher, that's higher in altitude than from where most of your collective live, you know, go up there, see how you feel, go up there and meditate, see how that goes. You may notice that a lot of your blind spots that you have aren't even yours. A lot of them are really those consciousness grids that you're immersed in. Okay. And that's a really great juxtaposition to have because now you realize, oh, 
it's not me. <laughs> and now, so then when you come down off the mountain and come into the grid of the collective, you can be more discerning and selective and realize, oh, plugging into that thought form and real that's really heavy and weighing is a choice because it's not actually mine. Now, it'll feel like yours as soon as you go down that road of thought and then now you're plugged into, you're a frequency match for that consciousness grid and now that consciousness grid is quite literally feeding off of the energy you're giving, the thought, the emotion, the fear, the, okay, the, um, the helplessness, whatever it is that, 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 um, that it's particularly um, in resonance with. So that that's how it works. It's like the veils have lifted so much. There's more available for humanity than I want to say ever before, but you know, at least in the past hundred thousand years. Right. And, and, uh, and so a lot of these, uh, conundrums that we get in a lot of these plays, these corners that we get painted in are optional because a lot of it is infiltration with these grids. It's not even true. It's not even what's really alive inside of us. Now we make it alive inside of us because we invest ourselves in it. But once we see the juxtaposition and realize, oh, wait a minute, this, this, and this isn't even me. I can, now you can start practicing what the wisdom keepers call being in the world, but not of it. And that means you can walk, you can be engaged in this world, but your thoughts, emotions, belief systems, and actions come from within you, not informed by the outer world, not told to you from the outer world. And then you take action and have your thoughts and beliefs from external referencing. So with that internal referencing, you can be fully engaged in life on this planet and society and family and work and all this stuff, but not be trapped by it, not be forced to, um, to be in that perspective, that disempowered perspective. You see what I mean? So, so, um, it's really cool. So I encourage all of you guys, you know, seek out those who enhance your gifts, seek out those that bring out the gifts in you that bring out the um, the different clairs in you. Maybe you have um, some friends that you just love being around because for some reason everything is so simple when you two get together. <laughs> okay, do stuff like this. Um, there's also um, places, PowerPoints in you know on this planet, well, sacred places. Well technically every place is sacred, right? But there are places where the energy has been cultivated or there are um, uh, sacred structures, master built structures that are, that are on that part of the land that are meant to enhance the energy, the vortexes, whatever. Being around those will also enhance your abilities. Sometimes people get instantly activated. I know that, um, I think it was David Icke told a really cool story where he ended up going to a sacred site and I think it was in um, South America and, and it, and he went instantly into an altered state and got super, super activated and jarred him. It took him a while to get over um, his activation because it was like a sticking your finger in that spiritual lightning socket. It totally blew his mind. It blew his world apart. And that was all because he walked the, the, the ground he walked these grounds that are activated and cultivated to heighten these different portals, these different stargates that, that bring in stellar consciousness, these different um, um, fields that are um, not enmeshed in the, in the human grid system. Now, 
uh, I've experienced this too when I went to Machu Picchu, particularly Machu Picchu, but also the Temple of the Winds uh, when I was in South America. It was really quite profound. So you can see why so many, so much of the mythology talks about people going to the mountain, people going to an elevated place to meet God. You know, Moses went into the mountains and met the boat, the burning bush, the um, the Greek gods, um, Zeus and that whole pantheon, pantheon lived on Mount at the top of Mount Olympus. Right. And the um, Kero tradition, they talk about the Karakukuyaks. They actually go to the tallest mountains, which are the, the they call mountains that that hold up the world to to meditate and tune into the cosmos and download wisdom and knowledge so they can masticate it and share it with their people you know so so this idea about going up in altitude and getting out of the collective grids is something that is deeply trenched in our stories and then you also have the hyokas the hyokas that this is like coyote medicine this is maybe more of um, the native american north american tradition you know, they always live separate from the village. They live in the outskirts. They live, you know, because this it's so they um, can remain unplugged from the collective field, from those collective grids. And that way they're able to serve as, as a Hayoko would serve. All right, dear sister Beverly says, is that why kings and queens always have castles on a hill? Ha, 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 ha. Okay, well, that is a deeply encoded question. That's because um, I'm, I've been getting educated on a whole nother meaning of the castles. Castles in general are synonymous with the intention and um, frequency of the sacred womb, the sacred womb. So a lot of mountains are uh, uh, depositories, you can say, of sacred womb energy. And then the royal lines would come in, the different um, beings, Tatarians, right, would come in and build these magnificent castles at the top of, at the top of those mountains. And that is to, to encapsulate and honor and enhance, because they're all built with very um, by master builders. There, you know, there's ley lines involved, there's sacred measure involved, there's tuning in the cosmos and the earth, you know, to be perfectly harmonic with the landscape, and then it would amplify the the um, the womb consciousness of that mountain and bless all the lands, the lands, the waters, the people. The, the the farmlands you know what i mean it's it was meant to bless and enhance life all around them and of course you know all that stuff got hijacked and it started being used for um you know for greed and you know feeding off of others rather than being a service to to the people so yeah so that's a very interesting question that you say that that you asked that and you know you have female mountains and male mountains and you know a lot of uh, like, for example, in the um, Kero tradition, the two tallest mountains are a, um, a sacred male and a sacred female. The sacred male is Apu Asangate, and then the sacred female would be Apu Salkantai. And uh, what's interesting about Apu Salkantai is when people would do pilgrimages to that mountain, they, in order to even get there, they it was a pilgrimage where they needed to constantly pray and readdress, ask 
um, their greater spirit to harmonize them to the wild, undomesticatable feminine force. And that only then would you be um, that mountain's consciousness would grant you access to her sacred lagoons, as the story goes. So mountains are conscious beings. You can ask them for help. You can ask them for assistance. Um, now, I don't say, I don't recommend going to the mountain and say, hey, yo, I need help. No, no, no. It's a relationship, right? Just like with everything else. You sing, you you honor, you venerate, you, you know, you make friends with the spirit of the mountain. And then if an occasion occurs or the mountain shows up and offers help, then that's where the help comes in, right? So, you know, we're, we're speaking of consciousness grids, we are breaking out of these lack mentality consciousness grids, these consciousness grids that keep us in a beggar mentality, in a lack mentality. And that is the 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 idea that there's not enough, the idea that there's that um, boundless flow is not something that comes naturally, the idea or the experience of feeling stuck, the experience of feeling um, trapped and without options. Those are all consciousness grids. Those are all programs. That's not the truth of who we are. The truth of who we are is a profound cosmic force where there is no such thing as stuck. There is no such thing as stagnant. Okay. So just sit with that one for a minute and see where you're at with it. So imagine if there is no such thing, what inside of you maybe what what's going on in your mind and your awareness and your thoughts and your emotions that is um, engaged with the experience of feeling stuck or engaged with the experience of having lack okay oftentimes you'll be able to trace it back to to your ancestors you'll be able to trace it back to traumas of the past You'll be able to trace it back to something that is beyond you, okay, beyond just you. Okay, I want to start transitioning to the moon. And actually, speaking of the moon, right? Um, hold on a second, I have a black thing on there. Um, speaking of the moon, um, a lot of people do moon ceremonies to manifest abundance, to manifest things. Now, I'm curious of the group here, if you guys have worked with moon energy, which phase of the moon do you normally or have you in the past worked with to manifest things new moon or full moon i'd be really curious to find out from you guys do you guys have um, a new or full preference when um tuning things in with um with manifestation with the cycles of the moon i know we talked about the moon being hijacked and all that but I, I know i'll talk about that but i know that um moon manifestation is something that has been around for thousands and thousands of years. And I wouldn't, I know that I played with that in my day. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, you guys probably played with it too. All right. Dear sister Rochelle says new moon for manifesting. Okay. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm a, I favor the new moon myself, but, uh, for, well, for several reasons. In the beginning, I favored the new moon just because it was intuitive. I just intuitively always preferred to um, to do new moon ceremony rather than full moon ceremony. <clears throat> and then once I got involved with um, working with the Kero, I would do fire ceremony for new and full moon. 
but let's let's weave in the perspective about the programs the the hijacking how the how the moon has been how the moon has been um, manipulated to disempower the feminine all right here one moment one more uh dear sister star shines uh chiming in luna rio she says i've used both i feel like i have a special connection with the moon my mother says she got a knowing that my name should be maria luna before i was born wow very cool very cool yeah and we have a lot of goddesses that are um associated with the moon um, but you know, now that I'm feeling into and learning a lot more or have learned a lot more about the stories of the different goddesses, I realize that those, a lot of the goddesses that are associated with the moon actually were originally associated with the spirits of the lands, with the mountains, with the rivers, like the lady of the lake, right? The rivers, the, um, um, the forests, the meadows, they had, um, goddesses uh nature spirits that were feminine that were caretakers of those lands and then once the um you know the the power over dynamic was anchoring in more and more on this planet those um those spirits started getting requalified to be moon goddesses <clears throat> now let me go back to the um the disempowerment programs with this so dear sister starshine uh barbara handclaw used to tell a lot of stories she was a she is a cherokee record keeper and um as part of her role she would tell stories and this is before this is you know she used to she has these small groups that she would get together with for many many years long before she was doing the the multi-dimensional activations um on a broader scale and one of the stories she told was the time the time before the moon, the time before the moon and the time before the moon describes um, the female force, our, our cycles, our um, moon cycles, what we call now moon cycles, our feminine cycles were not associated with the cycles of the moon, but were actually associated with the cycles of the sun. So we only menstruated four times a year during, and those were equinoxes and solstices. Okay. So there's only four times a year um, we had the opportunity to reprocreate with another, with uh, with a male. <clears throat> now I know there's the sacred goddess um, sisterhood where um, there's procreation happening through immaculate conception, and that's that's a whole other thing. Um, but I'm, I'm talking specifically about um, actually having copulation in order to conceive. So, and and that was about. Um, I believe the timeline, if I'm remembering correctly, was about 45,000 years ago. Okay, the time before the moon. Now, this isn't according to scientific history. I'm talking about um, legend, Cherokee legend and lore. And it's really, really important for us to remember these stories because they have a resonance within ourselves and it helps us anchor deeper into our body. It has nothing to do with the logical mind or what the, what the story is supposed to be, okay? So just feel into yourself for a moment, what it was like to have your cycles go according to this, to the rhythms of the sun. And then, um, ah, okay. Yes. Okay. So there, so before that, dear goddess, Diana from the Pleiades, Polly's just chiming in with this with perfect timing. Um, it is said Diana from the Pleiades brought in the moon a Palladian goddess 
named Diana brought the moon to the earth to become part of her uh, orbital field, part of the uh, elliptic. And with that, the women's cycles changed from being solar to lunar. And then we began to cycle monthly instead of quarterly. And, and it's because of this shift, many, 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 well, there's other shifts too, but many, many beings associate um, the moon with the disempowerment of the feminine. Now, I know the irony because when you go into feminine circles, goddess circles, the moon is such a big deal in goddess circles, right? So um, from what I understand, this is, a, this is a, um, uh, an inversion or a reversal of the, the real point of certain ceremonies. For example, when the moon is full, when it's getting the most light, the most life force energy from the sun, that's when the disempowerment programs are at their highest. And when the moon is, when the moon is in new, as in dark, it's, it's not um, being illuminated at all by the sunlight. That is when those programs are at their, at their lowest. So full moon ceremonies, I'm talking about tens of thousands of years ago, full moon ceremonies were really meant to heighten to create a hyperdimensional field and to heighten the will of one's spirit so it would have more quantum, more gravitational force than the full moon. So it was quite literally to override the power of the full moon with one's own inner spirit. That's how that's how I understand that to be. So the moon, good, bad, right or wrong, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is that we're aware of the ways in which it drains our energy, the ways in which it pulls our power away from us, and the, and the ways in which we're willing to give our power away or defer our power, okay? And then we recognize the ways in which it bolsters our will. It bolsters the things we want. It helps us uh, with momentum in the direction that we want to go. You see what I mean? So... The moon, along with all these other veils that are lifting, the moon is quite an extraordinary um, celestial body. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there are many, many dimensions of the moon. Right now we see, you know, we see the physical moon up in the sky. And yes, it does, it does the, the theory of it being a, um, an artificial object, like a ship or something does really fit because of the way the, um, the orbit is and the, and the spin and all that stuff. But what I'm realizing of these, as these veils lift and lift and lift and lift is that there are many dimensional access points within the moon, as in the, all kinds of beings, star beings, planetary beings, interdimensional beings, stellar beings. I'm, I'm sorry, not stellar, um, cosmic beings. There are many, many, many beings that have bases in the moon. Now we say bases because that's a word that we can understand. But what it is, is that they have a zone within the moon that that kind of consciousness, that star consciousness or galactic consciousness resides. And it actually is reweaving 
overriding those disempowerment programs from the past with their stellar consciousness, with their galactic consciousness, with the cosmic consciousness. So as the moon goes around and around and around, weaving the, um, you know, the moon chain stuff, the disempowerment stuff, it's also weaving in the stellar knowledge, this, this um, more expanded access to consciousness. Um, very recently, I was able to make a connection with a, with a, um, a, a consciousness within the moon that is Cygnus. Now, Cygnus is the, um, is the constellation of the swan, which is directly connected to the consciousness, consciousness grids of Mu, the consciousness grids of, of Lumeria before the, before the genocide, before the, um, the battle with Atlantis. Okay. So there are quite literally, um, consciousness grids from the ancient past that were that existed before a lot of this hijacking that is now pouring into the collective of this field and women doing our ceremonies are direct um uh, not suppositors but receivers of this okay so i'm saying this so when you go into ceremonies or when you charge things with the moon you can place the intent of the the depth or the height of the different dimensional frequencies you want those items to be charged with now say if it's a crystal you like to clean and clear or charge your crystals in the moonlight you can set that crystal to only to only download the highest frequencies that are to the benefit of the expansion of your consciousness right you can you can direct these 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 things that you're charging water, you know, for example, to, um, to be charged by certain frequency of that moonlight. So every time you drink it, you're, you're, you're drinking encoded water with stellar knowledge. You're drinking, um, encoded water with different galactic knowledge. Okay. I'm talking about libraries of knowledge that is within these beams of light that inform us on a subconscious level. Because that's what these consciousness grids do. They inform us on a subconscious level. It's pretty much, you know, setting the, um, the, the pattern of how we're supposed to act. And if we, you know, it takes a lot of consciousness and empowerment to act differently than the supposed to's. And as you guys, I'm sure you guys have observed, a lot of people don't feel confident enough to step outside the program and, and, and be different than everybody else. A lot of people just want to be normal, right? How many people do you know in your life just want to be normal? How many people do you know in your life that just want you to be normal, <laughs> right? So, so um, star seeds and indigos, we have a lot of celestial assistance with the the, the missions that we're that we're carrying out. Um, you know, um, anchoring in new grids revealing buried grids, you know, reactivating, revitalizing um, consciousness grids that inform humanity to be true caretakers of our lands versus, you know, um, commodifying everything and dominating over everything. Um, there's a lot of indigo grid workers that I'm coming across. This is something that, that this language and this way of thinking is very new to me. It's no, it's old, but new to me, you know, it's like when I started learning about how this was being discussed, I realized, oh my gosh, I've been doing this my whole life and I didn't even know it, you know, and now I'm ready to know it. Um, and I find it very interesting because you can actually 
tune things to different stargates and then bring that stargate frequencies to depressed parts of um of the planet depressed parts of the land of populations so you can you know you can actually reinform a landscape with star knowledge you can reinform the spirits of the land with stellar frequencies i mean this is a gift this is a massive gift when we start feeding and um appreciating and caretaking our lands by feeding it this this benevolent life force and acknowledging the spirits of the lands and revitalizing the different goddesses of the lands you know this is how we heal this is how we not only heal our environment our landscape but this is how we heal ourselves our community each other our families okay um so new moons i especially um always gravitated towards and that's because before i was really aware of these um you know these these um, grids that hold down consciousness i just intuitively sensed that there was a lot more freedom and a lot more openness with the new moon and so uh, i would always make sure i would do fire ceremony or breathing work or whatever on the new moons and I don't know if you guys remember um, a woman, her name was Jan Stillman, Jan Stillman called New Moon Astrology. I don't know if you guys check it out. The book came out, I don't know, this might have been 20 years ago. Um, but it was a really cool book because she um, did a whole um, analysis on the flavor of the new moon through all the signs. So you can um, harmonize what it is that you wanted to manifest with the flavor of the of the moon in that particular sign so when the new moon is in aquarius there's certain flavors that are more advantageous to intent to use your intent with align your intent with than um than maybe if it was in a, a capricorn nor, new moon you know you know what i mean spillman spillman not stillman i think it's spillman jan spillman if you guys want to check that out um, I got a lot out of that, um, working with her book. I thought that was fascinating how she did it. And it worked every single time it worked. This is how I've been able to do the impossible. One of the many, many ways I've been able to do the impossible in my life, <laughs> um, was doing the new moon thing. And Barbara Ann Cloud talks about new moon manifestation too. Um, so when it comes to meditating within, with the moon, I would, I would suggest, you know, just so you're not exacerbating the control systems that are already infiltrated in the subconscious, you know, place a clear intent, place a clear intent to connect with your, maybe your star brothers and sisters that have a, that may have a base on the moon or connect with, um, uh, connect with the, if it's, if it's like conjunct the, the central sun, uh, connect with the frequencies of the, of the central sun that's working through the moon to directly with you. You see what I mean? And then there's times when the moon is exactly conjunct fixed stars, such as the Pleiades, um, Cirrus, um, Regulus, Rigel, uh, Spica. These are all fixed stars in the sky. And when the, in the moon, new moon, when it's conjunct with those stars, that is a direct portal to the star knowledge. So you can you can actually with your intent with your ceremony pull that the encodements from those star systems 
through the frequencies of the moon that are engaged with your being and 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 bring that into fruition within your body now anytime you're manifesting especially with encodements you ingest the encodements and then what you wish to manifest will manifest you have to first integrate you have to first digest and integrate those encodements though and here's the rub as you digest and integrate those encodements what's going to fly in your face are all the things you're attached to that are not in alignment with that energy so it's pretty much uh you know sometimes a lot of stuff will go sideways in your life because there's aspects that you're feeding or invested in that are, are not in alignment with what it is that you are intentionally manifesting with that particular ceremony you see what i mean so uh there's that to look out for and actually it's very valuable that that happens because this is why people do experience stuckness this is why people do experience lack is that they're not aware of the part of themselves that won't allow you to have what you want either you don't feel worthy um, you can't forgive yourself for something that happened maybe you're there's massive guilt and shame in your family line and your body came deeply programmed with guilt and shame so therefore no matter what you want there's there's too much guilt and shame in the body to really let you ha let you have it you know the way you want it you always have to compromise you always have to imp you, um, compromise there's another word um, uh, make do right so this is all this is all part of the equation it's not because we suck it's not because we're this or that it's because these programs are not in in harmony with our desires what our spirit wants but at the same time before we even came into this body into this realm we decided what were the themes we're going to work with what were the themes within our akasha we were going to work with and we picked the family that it's a perfect frequency match to those things in our akasha that we wanted to resolve that we wanted to work with so uh so when you're doing your ancestral work it it, it closely is aligned with your soul's journey work okay so um it's, it's just two different ways to go at unraveling the same frequencies and I recommend doing both clear it from the ancestral line work with it in the ancestral line and on the Akashic level then you're going to get a lot bigger results faster and it's not that we're in a hurry it's just that we are in a time of acceleration it's a do or die kind of situation for humanity right now and um I don't mean to get all doom and gloom or anything but you guys look around you you can see how things <laughs> things are going it's like people who are not um taking their sovereignty not not standing up for themselves and protecting their children and you know what I mean doing what they know in their heart is the right thing to do they're paying the price very quickly it's not 10 years down the road it's six months down the road or six days down the road okay or maybe even six hours depending on what it is so humanity is really getting uh challenged uh with our feet to the fire now it's like up until I'd say up until uh 2020 it was all practice for those of us who've been here for a few decades we've had lots of practice now it's now it's where it's for real shit's getting real right and our young ones the the younger ones the 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 millennials and you know the ones in the um in the younger generations they've come in already encoded with things so they um they have a leg up because of all the other previous work that has been done so their encodements can unfold within them and then we can quite literally unify in the same direction 
they pretty much are hitting the ground running. It's still trial by fire. There's there's not a lot of um, wiggle room here. You know, you follow what's right inside of you or, you know, things will go sideways very quickly. This is my observation. I'm watching people's lives crash and burn, crash and burn fast. Okay. And maybe you have a couple choices, you know, a couple choice points came until you reach that point of crashing and burning, but it's not more than a few choice points. It's not like you get 20 years of choice points and then you crash and burn or 10 years of choice points and then you crash and burn. No, I'm talking months here. The crash and burn happens within months of making those decisions um, that, that were against who you really are or against your truth, you know? So keep with it. I know the collective is going crazy right now and there's a lot of doom and gloom and fear and blah, 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 blah. But listen, they need to keep us, they need to keep us in that fear state so we are distracted. So we don't realize just how much of the veils have lifted and just how expanded our consciousness is actually be because Lord forbid we actually reclaim our sovereignty and our responsibility and our true abilities that we have as multidimensional humans. Because as soon as we do that on a collective level, it's game over for the power over dynamics. It's game over. They no longer have dominion over you. They no longer have dominion over the collective of us. Now they're going to dominate over the ones that they can till the very end. So we're not going to see it gone for, for quite some time because there's still beings that are invested in it. But what's going to happen is that as beings expire, if they are really heavy and dark, or um, maybe another way to say it, all right. Now I know karma is a construct and it's not, it's not necessarily, it's not a law or anything. It's not a universal law, but a lot of people still abide by the idea of karma. So if people are um, leaving their bodies with a lot of darkness or a lot of heaviness, AKA a lot of karma, you know, they're not going to be, they're not going to be a frequency match to this planet and they're not going to be able to come back to this planet. They'll have to reincarnate somewhere else in the galaxy. That's a frequency match for them. So for those of us who are leaving our bodies and we have, and we're very light and we're very clear, now we're going to be a frequency match. So we have the choice of coming back to this place. And of course, we'll also have the choice to go any place that's a frequency match. Okay. So, so this, there's like a, um, a siphoning off that's happening. A lot of the dark ones are expiring and they're not able to come back. So there was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of infiltration, a lot of darkness, not just within our human race, but also in the, in the interdimensional realms of our planet and the moon, you know, so there's a lot to purge. So I imagine this purging is going to go on for a few decades, but it is going to reach its end. It is going to reach a place where it can't continue because there'll be no one here to embody that darkness. There'll be no one here that has a, that, that contract, that soul contract to remain enslaved to the power over. Okay. So, um, and this is where, and this is actually, this is why I started to teach, uh, talk about and teach death rights within the healer acceleration lab, because we can all liberate our beloved. So when they, so when they, so when they do, leave their bodies and they don't have to have that darkness, that heaviness. They don't need to be burdened. We can help relieve them of that burden 
before they go or even just after they go so when they when they do cross over they are free to reincarnate in places that aren't so heavy and dense they can maybe come back to this planet even if they want and experience the coming of the golden age and i know this is like prophecy that i'm talking about when i say things about the golden age but but here's the thing you know no one person has the monopoly on the truth of this planet and when you look at the different stories from all the different indigenous nations, all the different lands and the people, and you notice there's overlaps in these stories, that that's the indication that there's something to it. There's something behind those stories that that was left for us to get to receive. Okay. And it's because they talk about it. It's because they talk about it, not just in the, um, the three the three sacred books right the three the three sacred um religions the dominant religions on this planet which is the quran the torah and the old testament but they also talk about the the coming of the golden age in um in orthodox mythology in indigenous mythologies the hopi the inca the maya um the, there's different um, uh, tribes in Africa and the Aborigine of, of Australia and New Zealand. And then there's also yet even more stories emerging out of the um, indigenous tribes of Siberia. They're all talking about a time when the frequency shift of, this con of the consciousness on this planet, and they don't use these words, um, is going to shift. And we are going to be um, no longer in an old program of darkness of working against the great mother against pachamama because right now we're living in an uncivilized civilization we're calling the civilization but it's not and that's because we we aren't caretaking our lands it's domination it's control it's you know um siphon off life force energy to benefit the the few versus the bringing forth of 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 resources to to feed and serve all now that is that is what a real caretaker does. It brings abundance and um, nurturing and upliftment for all beings, not just the ones that can afford it, not just the ones of a particular class or or race or lineage. Okay, this lineage thing, like oh, you know, you either have it if you're in the lineage, and if you're not in the lineage, you don't have it. That is all Anunnaki and reptilian programming. That is their value system. That is the, the value system of pure bloods, okay? That's not the Pachamama value system, the Mother Earth, the Sacred Mother value system. The value system of the Sacred Mother is all life is sacred. All life uh, needs to be uh, nurtured, okay? All life works together to benefit everybody that it's connected to okay those are the value system that is the the way of the cosmic mother and this is what humanity is getting woken up to again um the kiddo talk about it it's one eagle and condor fly wingtip to wingtip okay and they're and they're specifically referencing north america and and south america are going to unite and you have um the uh the hijacking of the eagle which is uh, a symbol of aggression right now and the um and the energy and the consciousness of the condor which is humble will now be brought together again now now there's many many other stories the hopi also have the stories coming that that they talk about 
with the, um, the, the, the coming of the next age. Or no, they don't call it the coming of the next age. I think it's the, the next world, the fifth world. The, the fifth world is coming. So all these things, um, because they overlap and they come from so many sources around the world, this is why I'm talking about it like this. There's something to it. Um, if someone is claiming to have like the only truth, the one truth, and no one else has the truth, I, you know, I, I approach that with, with uh, a lot of um, discernment and suspicion. It's like I, I assume or I approach it in, in a way that it's coming into my field for some reason. So I'm going to watch and I'm going to listen and I'm going to listen for the what is in it that is actually activating something inside of me that wasn't active before or what is touching something inside of me that I wasn't aware of before. Because, you know, it's really not about what's right and what's wrong, what's accurate, what's inaccurate, what's fact and what's fiction. It has nothing to do with that. All of these things are about what it activates inside of you. Does this activate something that expands your consciousness? Does this activate ideas that you didn't have access to before? That's more about what this is about. So when you have these stories that have these overlappings, those overlappings, if you uh, sit with that, they can activate you. You can start to become you know, even sharper in your discernment. And what's cool about being sharper in your discernment is that, you know, no, you're not going to be afraid of any knowledge. You're not going to be afraid of any teaching. You're not going to be afraid of anything being dark or light because you trust your compass. You trust that you'll see it. You'll trust that you'll feel it. You'll trust that, you know, you'll be able to um, make this decision that's right in, for your spirit. You see what I mean? And, uh, and I'll wrap up with this last piece. These veils, they're lifting, 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 lifting. And we have more knowledge and light and quantum available to us than, than, a long, than in a long, long, long time, right? One of those things is that we are, each of us are an entire cosmos within ourselves. Each of us are an entire cosmos within ourselves. So that means... We are learning how to access star knowledge, cosmic knowledge, galactic knowledge. We're learning how to, we're remembering how to access that wisdom and knowledge within ourselves. So getting exposed to stories that activate us are more important than ever because it's going to activate us. It's activating us in such a way where we see our own access point. So now it's not about the planets coming to a certain alignment. It's not about the new moon coming. It's not about the 1111. It's not about this solstice. It's not about the opening of that stargate, though all that stuff has relevance. Once you see how that, where, where it, how that frequency is alive inside of yourself, you can access it at any time, anywhere, and for any reason. Okay, it's not only when the when the stargates are open. It's not only when the eclipse is happening. It's not only when dot 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 is going on. Once you have that connection inside in your awareness, it doesn't matter. It's available to you anytime, everywhere, anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, when stargates are open or the eclipses are happening or this and that is when that's going on, it's amplified. It's a lot bigger and a lot easier to touch it but those aren't necessary. Those stargates don't have to be open in order for you to access it because we are our cosmos within ourselves. And that exists because of our DNA. 
okay? So, and our DNA is dancing dependent upon our consciousness, uh, the frequency of our being. It's not about, you know, these external things, though we might start off with these external things before we learn about it being in here. <laughs> I hope that makes sense the way I'm saying it. All right, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I hope what we talked about was helpful. Um, your sister Starshine that was asking me about the moon things. Um, I hope that is helpful for you and your ceremony that's coming up. Um, I think there's a full moon coming up in a week. I think in a week. We just had the new moon last week. So, um, and for those of you that want to experiment accessing those higher frequencies within the moon, um, again, you, you, you start off tuning it in inside and then you take what you're aware of inside to the moon frequency. And then that's how you're going to get to the, I'm going to call it a base for, for lack of a better term. That's how you're going to get to the star knowledge, um, that the star equivalent frequency equivalent within the moon, the Pleiades, the Pleiadians have a base, the there's different Pleiadian bases. There's different Octorian bases. There's a Cygnus base. There's an Aldebaran base. There's an Andromeda base. So there's lots and lots and lots of access points to these star systems via the moon. So hopefully that is helpful for you guys so we can transcend this whole moon chain disempowerment game that happened and we can start reclaiming, go further and reclaiming ourselves as sovereign multidimensional beings and true creators of this world, those, the beings that truly, sincerely step into their power in order to dream this world into being, to retake that responsibility as the caretakers of this realm. This realm, we are the ones who are responsible for caretaking this realm. So as we step into our sovereignty, as we step into our power, we do it for that sake, to be good caretakers, to be good custodians of this planet and all life upon her, within her, and around her. Love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. I shall catch you guys next time. Bye-bye.